Hey everyone, welcome back to AWM Insights. It's your Power 3, two CPWAs and a CFA. We are Eric, Brandon, and Justin. And at AWM, we're a community of athletes, founders, and investors all on a journey to try and be the best in the world at what we do. And we believe you deserve the same when it comes to your wealth. So each week we aim to cut through the noise of what we think Wall Street is selling you to actually bring you the knowledge, the skills, and the access that you need to invest like a pro. And so today we're tackling, tackling the topic of when should you get in and out of the market? And we see this so much when markets start to arrive at all time highs that there are two camp, camps shouting from the rooftop. The first is this mania cannot continue. It has to be a bubble, so you better figure out when that you should get out of the market. And then equally, there's the second camp that says, you know what? It's going to the moon, so I better double down. And what we're going to discuss, what we're going to expose is that we actually think both of these are amateur moves, and we're going to detail the evidence behind that and equip you with what a pro will do. But before we do that, let's recap what is going on in the markets. We continue to see record highs uh, across the markets. We also start to see record highs once again in the crypto space. We saw Bitcoin get as high as 64,000, really riding the back of uh, the most popular kind of wide covered uh, direct listing by Coinbase last week. So for those not familiar, Coinbase is an online marketplace for digital currencies. Uh, it was started in 2012, but uh, the stock opened at $381, actually peaked up to around 430 before settling the day at around 328 bucks. So we're going to talk about even when you try to time the market on the first day of the IPO, you can be a winner, but you could also be a big loser regardless of where it starts and stops during that day. Uh, in other crypto news, uh, the country of Turkey's central bank actually uh, is putting a ban on the use of cryptocurrency in the country starting at the end of the month. So we're starting to see some regulatory stuff come across from countries. Uh, on the IPO front, we saw Nikola uh, actually dropping their shares down to around 10 bucks, erasing all of the gains from their initial public offering. Once again, uh, the evidence showing up around what happens in the IPO market. And then uh, on a global front, we actually are seeing the Chinese economy growing uh, around 18.3% in the first quarter. And then some other great news that first time claims for unemployment uh, continues to drop. It's a pandemic era low. And so uh, even within the market news, we've got some all time high stuff. We got some interest of maybe some headwinds against the continuing march forward that really comes right into this topic of should we try to outguess the market? Do we know when to get in and out of the market? Yeah, and I'll jump in and just say that it is it's a it's a fascinating time right now, right? You have these incredible economic statistics, the economy, the global economy, U.S. economy specifically is is seemingly firing on all cylinders right as we come out of this pandemic shutdown combine that with stock markets at at all-time highs and really 
kind of head scratching speculative stuff going on, even just within in the stock market, the equity market. You know, we can go back to GameStop and and what you see with uh, the SPAC IPOs and Nikola, and you know, there, there's a whole host of things here. Combine that with what's going on in the crypto space, where Dogecoin is has like doubled in the last week, and there there literally is you know no use case for for that specific coin. So there's a lot of of uh, stuff out there on the table, I guess to 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 put it um, in in summary. And and how do we you know make heads or tails of it? I mean, I would just I guess start uh, with with my thoughts on it and say. Hey, look, we are long-term investors first and foremost, and we talk a ton about minimizing taxes. So how do we combine those two things with the current marketplace, right? Well, first of all, if you're going to, to say, hey, the, the market is way over overbought right now, it's at excessive valuations, I'm going to sell out. Guess what? You're also going to pay a ton of taxes to do that. And you're going you're gonna to prevent yourself from compounding gains uh, long-term. Conversely to that is, is is if you if you think the market's going to continue to go and double down, I mean, it could it could take a turn for the worse tomorrow, right? I mean, we let's let's rewind rather back to March of last year, where all of a sudden the pandemic had hit us and we had a thirty plus percent correction in the market. You just don't know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, even if the facts today make you feel a certain way. Those those circumstances could continue for such a long time going forward. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting point. And I was I got really excited, Eric, when you had that title. I thought you guys were going to share your crystal ball with me because uh, mine's been broken for a while. Uh, but you know, I thought if we had that crystal ball, maybe we could we could really uh, turn some people here. But in all seriousness, I think, you know, I saw some stats uh, earlier this week uh, put out by Dimensional and, you know, they pointed out that, you know, go back a year ago, March 2020, obviously we went through the COVID correction, uh, but the S&P was down nearly 20 percent and, you know, the entire world was scrambling to a lockdown, totally rational for it to go through your head. Hey, you know what? Uh, world's kind of falling apart. I think maybe now's time to take the money off the table. Um, and we had, you know, thankfully not a lot of clients on our side do this, but definitely have heard the stories of people doing this. Uh, a lot of experts were writing articles telling us, you know, over the next year, we're going to see this implosion, like get your money out. Um, I actually, I don't even remember anybody reading, you know, or reading anybody saying, hey, the S&P is going to be up 50 six percent over the next 12 months um but that's exactly what happened so to sit there and go you know with all that those headwinds right that theoretically should have been the easiest time to time the market but i think we've talked about it before it's it's you got to get a couple decisions right number one you got to nail that decision which good luck i don't know anybody that that you know or i i don't even know how you could have benefited in that scenario. Um, but then you also have to know when to get back in. So let's say you sold out of the market at that time. You know, are you sitting there? Did you get back in? Are you sitting there right now? It's gone up 56%. Should I get back in? Is it overinflated? You know, all these decisions have to be going through your head. So we know that if you stayed in the market, time in the market, that's actually the benefit. So, you know, if you did that, it might be time for a, a victory lap right now. Um, but yeah, certainly trying to outguess that market. Um, I haven't met anybody that can do it. 
Well, and, and you bring up a really important point, Brandon, right? We're sitting here talking about this stuff at, at market highs and it feels, you know, maybe a little bit uncomfortable to some. If you don't have a plan, I would say it probably feels uncomfortable to you. And that's an important point to, to underscore. Maybe we'll circle back to that. But in March of last year, I, I have a text message with, with a good buddy of mine basically saying, ah, oh, no, you know, the, the market's just going to continue to tank here. You know, I, I sold out a week ago and I'm not getting back in because it's going to go down another 20%. And, you know, the, the entire market's going to change and blah, 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 right? You just, the, the same emotions and things we're talking about right now, where maybe it seems potentially a little bit clear, flip that on its head, you're going to experience the exact same thing kind of in reverse, at the bottom of the market or when the market is crashing. And guess what? It feels even worse at those points in time. And it's even more difficult to make decisions if you don't have a plan going into something like that. I think that's an important point too, to remember the value of your advisor is not figuring out when to get in and when to get out. The value of your advisor is the architecture of your plan and then the implementation of that plan, making sure that it is tax efficient, making sure that, you know, during times of volatility, we got through that COVID correction, we've talked about it. Your advisor is doing tax loss harvesting. I mean, that's where we often see the misses, right? And so when you're evaluating the success, your success as a as an individual or as a family, how your wealth grew, it is far less to do with trying to time when I'm going to get in, when I'm going to go out. And really, it's going back to the architecture of that overall plan. And if if that plan, you know, includes crises as a range of possible outcomes, that's a really good plan. But and it's never too late to cre- create one. If you haven't created one yet, we implore you go do this. Um, but if this last, you know, if this last crisis wasn't in your plan, then I think you need to start rethinking that plan, right? And you need to think about thoughtful planning, you know, not not for this new normal, as a lot of people like to, but what's the next normal? This isn't the last crisis we're going to go through. There are going to be crises that we never even could dream up that are going to happen. And so when you're thinking about the thoughtful architecture of your plan, how your advisor helps you put that together is the true value. Totally. And like, and, and thoughtful is not, Hey, we're going to, we're going to scrutinize what sectors have underperformed and we're going to invest in that. Right. Like that, that's a plan where you're just chasing your tail from crisis to crisis. And, and what worked in the past crisis is not going to work in the next crisis in all likelihood. And, and listen, and listening to you guys uh, talk about the importance of the plan and what expertise is in architecture and structure here is, I think the other thing is to recognize that there's so much emotion at play that you, it's like anything else, you start getting going way too fast, you're going to make mistakes. And if you let emotion drive things of like, I literally got a text message this morning from, from one of our young clients is, I just don't want to miss out. So uh, I feel like I need to buy now or the single company risk, right? This is as a professional, as a pro, if you think about in your own craft, so whether it's the professional athlete or it's the doctor, you know, you might see something happen in a very short window. It doesn't mean that that's the best path forward. Somebody got lucky, right? Or even if we just have the conversation around Coinbase right now, 
what we know is that you take a step back, the people who really were wealthy, who became wealthy uh, on Wednesday, were those that had an allocation when it was in the private market, right? Um, and even in the private markets, it's not all created equal because there's something called dilution. And so I think these are the type of conversations that you start to go, we're not telling you to not invest at times in single companies. We're just telling you, you better be compensated for the risk that you're taking. And so it is very foolish to buy single companies on the public stock exchange because you're not, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, right, on that. Or in the crypto markets, when we're talking about this is, you know, it's it's really asking, what am I investing in? Or am I trading slash gambling? And I think having some, some deeper conversation, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on of, where does it actually, what is the difference between taking a trading gambling approach and investing? Because you could be doing both of these things in the public markets and they're two completely different approaches. I mean, I would just say for me, it's a really simple distinction, right? While all investments have risk, you know, many people that are out there and, and you're talking about investing and a lot of people think they're investing, you know, all this craze around crypto, that, oh, I'm going to invest in this or one of my favorites, like I'm going to invest in my home. It's like, no, that's not investing, folks. Like it, a lot of these people that if you're thinking about investing are actually gambling. And it, the real simple distinction, at least in my view, is that if you're trying to time short term market movements, whether that's in the stock market, the bond market, the NFT market, the crypto market, you're gambling. You're not investing. So let's strike that word from our, our list. If you're going and buying any of these cryptos, you're buying individual companies, that is not investing. It is gambling. Yeah, totally. And and when you when you have uh, is the hedge fund guy his uh, his name's Mike Novogratz I believe if uh, I, I if I'm my memory serves me correct he he's a quote unquote investor and I think he he is legitimately his his track records proved that he's he is a, an investor he is a big crypto fan he literally came out I think it was today when we're recording this and said the crypto market is is very reminiscent of a bubble right because of exactly kind of what Brandon just alluded to that there is there is plenty of uh, data that shows people are just are, are it's a greater fool theory. They're buying something because it's going up because they think it's going to continue going up. There's no fundamental analysis into the the coin, the stock, um, the blockchain technology, whatever you want to talk about, where you're, you, you, you're making some sort of conclusion that this is an interesting technology and I think it can be grown, applied to some problem in the future, monetize, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If those things are missing from your evaluation and you're just buying into something because you you don't want to miss out because everything is going to the moon, yeah, you're you're gambling, right? And I think, uh, and th again, we, we do think there's some fascinating applications within blockchain, within maybe even NFTs, right? I, we highlighted a news story last week, this company Paxos, which is is settling stock trades in a more efficient manner than it happens right now. That's, that is value add. That is fascinating. That is using this inherent technology. Crypt, the crypto space overall right now is the wild west, right? It is there. It's not regulated. 
anybody can get access to it. People don't understand it. I mean, it is it is truly, truly, truly a dangerous place. Um, could it continue to go up? Oh yeah, there's no question. I'm not going to say it won't. I mean, it, again, it's this this idea of greater fool theory where where it, it's a self fulfilling cycle to a certain extent. But then you have big players, especially within some of these cryptos that hold the vast majority. And if they want to get out, if they're like, look, I need to cash in, guess what? There's not a lot of volume and they're probably going to impact the price. And it could be this vicious cycle downward. When that will happen, if that will happen, who knows? But like that, that when, you, when those types of factors and variables start to come into an equation, like that is not investing, right? Investing is, hey, there is a, there's a, there's a, there's a valuation. There's a, there's fundamentals tied to this. We're, we're creating value. We're improving lives. It, it happens over the longer term, right? Those, there's a pretty big difference between those two things. Yeah. No, I, the one thing I'd be remiss to mention before you close us out, Eric, is just, you know, we saw the greatest Ponzi scheme uh, master of them all passed away this past week, uh, Bernie Madoff. And I don't know about you guys, but this all seems eerily similar to me. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these uh, these coins and cr- this crypto craze turns into uh, the next Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. So um, anyways, might be a stretch, but I certainly want to get it on record. Yeah, and I, and I actually don't think it's a stretch. And to, for the audience to be very clear, what Brandon is not saying is that all cryptocurrency is a Ponzi scheme. He is saying that when you have a situation of uh, what let's call a severe lack of education and understanding with a lack of transparency and regulation, it allows... Uh, a bunch of charlatans and bad characters to enter into this. We saw this two years ago in the professional athlete market out here uh, during spring training. Uh, there was uh, these uh, crypto traders that were fronting, went and got this huge house in Paradise Valley, actually partnered with you know some credible people and stole a bunch of money from professional athletes in the crypto space, you know, and we're not too far removed. So I think this is why you have to have a level of scrutiny. And that's true in the private markets in general, right? One of the reasons you have the opportunity for outperformance is because there is a lack of transparency, which means you better be invested with the right people. You know, full disclosure, it's easy uh, to uh, celebrate Coinbase as if everybody knew that was going to happen and it's this huge home run. But the truth is, right, that is that is one of a thousand and it's very difficult. So what you should not also hear on this podcast is, oh, I should now go do venture because here's the thing, does it fit in your plan, right? And then the other thing, not all venture is created equal. We had an opportunity, we were just up in the Valley uh, earlier this week, uh, sat down with an individual who exited his own company for 600 million back in the day. And he said, you know, Eric and Brandon, I've been around uh, now as uh, considered an ultra high net worth investor for 20 plus years. And what I've realized is there's no get rich quick scheme. And the majority of all the stuff in the private markets is complete crap. The two in 20, you are going to lose more money. He said, you know, and, and we won't use his name because he goes, you know what? I was, I was a client of Morgan Stanley. I was a client of Goldman Sachs. I lost more money in their fees and their bad products that they sold me than I did of just having a globally diversified tax aware 
portfolio. And then on the venture side, to be abundantly clear, is all the data shows you better be invested with the top decile investors because the best win over and over again. And so most of the time, if you are seeing a venture deal uh, and it has not come through one of the top tier funds, it means everybody's passed over it and it's a loser and you should pass too. And so, you know, these are the things that we want to share with you as a community is Sure, you might get lucky and get rich by gambling in Vegas or gambling with crypto, but we're saying there's a better way. There's a path to success that has been laid for generations and generations of what are the key principles to investing. And if you head over to awminsights.com, you can download the 10 key principles to investing like a pro. And I promise you, if you put these to work, over the long term, this is how you build generational wealth. And so, uh, as always, we love our time with you. We'd love to hear from you. Brandon offered, I think, the last couple of times. Send us in a question. We'd love to buy the next cup of coffee for you. We'll send out a, a gift card to you. But until next time, own your wealth, make an impact, and always be a pro.